is but a vapor. It appears that it's gone with a record of what's done. Then we stand alone at the judgment seat of Christ, God's holy Son. We will stop down at the judgment seat of Christ. We must give account for the things we
beautiful. The principle behind that. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And uh, the biblical principle is to lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. They can't be stolen, but one day God will give them to us, and we'll be able to give them back to him. Think about that when you decide what you're going to do with your time today, tomorrow, throughout the rest of this week, month, year, life. Amen. Life is a vapor. It's here for a moment, then it vanishes away. And what are we going to do with it? Let's all stand, if you would, number 507, uh, 531, I'm sorry, 531 is where we'll be. We're going to sing, I Know Whom I Have Believed. We're going to get around and shake hands. Make sure to make uh, Carolyn, this is Miss Sandra Anderson's old, uh, older sister, so she's in charge of her. I asked her, I said, please help us keeping her, you know, in check. So go over and meet Carolyn over there, and then it's good to have Luke Johnson back with us. Uh, he's back from his uh, tour with the United States Marine, Marine Corps, United States Marine Corps.
Thank you, ladies. Appreciate that song. I don't know if you noticed the, uh, the last phrase there, I guess you would call it. It said, what will we sacrifice to share the love of Christ? I think a lot of Christians in today's society are not willing to sacrifice anything. I was just talking to Brother Tom. He was giving me some statistics and things uh, on his Sunday school lesson this morning and how much money we actually have after we spend it on what we have to spend it on, how much time we have after we do the things that we have to do. And it's very little, little time, little money that we have. And what we do with that little bit of time and money shows exactly what's in our heart. And so uh, I want to preach to you this morning. We preached last week on uh, the uh, don't be... Uh, be somebody, someone, don't be somebody's no one. And we took it out of John and talking about the man there at the pool of Bethesda who said, I have no man. And uh, looking at him and how we, we need to be somebody's man. We need to be somebody's, we need to be somebody's missionary. Amen. And so today I want to look, uh, we're going to start in the Old Testament and then move into the New Testament. So Psalms 126 is where we will begin and then we'll end up in Acts chapter 13. Um, but I'd like, to, uh, I'd like to mention something before I get started. Uh, how many of you are in the Sunday school hour this morning out here in the auditorium? Okay, so I mentioned Knight Rider. And, I, you know, the more I thought about it, I thought, you know, who wants to be compared to David Hasselhoff? Uh, and really, it's, it's somebody's fault for sending me a video of him. Uh, it's a German video, which so I couldn't understand a word they said. Uh, but it's a car commercial uh, for buying cars online. And it was hilarious. He's on a moped with a little red line going across the front of it. It's a black moped, and he's chasing these guys who are on mopeds. And uh, it's just, you had to have seen it, obviously. Uh, to, to, but it, and so that's where that came from. It's not my fault. It was planted subconsciously. I think it was Charles Spurgeon said, if, if I said half of what goes through my mind, you would be, uh, how did he pray? He put it much better English than I could. You'd be surprised <laughs> at the filter that I have nowadays. Uh, anyhow, uh, Psalms 126 uh, is where we're going to start. And the Bible tells us here in Psalms 126, in verse number one, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion... We were like them that dream. And I don't know if you remember Brother McBride preaching out of a psalm one time, and it's a song of degrees, and he explained that that was a song that they would sing as they went up to the temple. And so if you picture in your mind the people of God are going up to the house of God to worship God, and here they're singing about how He delivered them from captivity. And he says, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weeping, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. A couple of things I see in this passage that are of interest to me this morning. 
are first we see the problem that the people had. There was a captivity situation. They were in captivity. We see that they are now praising God, and so they have been promoted from that place of captivity to a place of preeminence. We see the perception of the heathen here, the wicked see. They notice that God has done something. And not just something, but they say great things. And then we see the production of those people that are grateful. It says that if you'll take what God has given you, this precious seed, this freedom, this uh, freedom from captivity, if you will take that, you will come back in with produce. And so the, 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 the title of my message this morning is very simple. Missions makes a difference. It makes a difference. And we see a principle here laid out in Psalms chapter 126 that what God has done for us, we need to take that and let it bring production. And so we want to piggyback off of this uh, scripture here. We're going to go over to Acts chapter 13 and we're going to look at some missionary things that made a difference. But let's have a word of prayer this morning and then we'll get into the message. Father... We thank you, O oh God, for what you've given to us. And uh, Lord, I, it comes to mind the verse that says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Lord, I often think, How shall we escape your wrath if we neglect to give this great thing called salvation that you've given to us, to others? So Lord, help us for the next few moments to look at how this institution of missions can make such a difference in a world, dear God, that desperately needs a difference to be made. Bless your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And so what we have here in Acts chapter 13 is the story of uh, Paul's first uh, missions uh, journey, so to speak. Uh, the, the first missionary outing of Paul as he and Barnabas will go out now. And in order to allow missions to make a difference, in order to make a difference through missions, we have to support missions. Uh, this little card that we have handed out to those that are members of the Parkview Baptist Church, this is a, a covenant with God for the next year to give, not to this church, but to the missionaries that we support as this church, that we have voted on, and that we have covenanted with them that, hey, we're going to support you X amount of dollars every month so that you can do what God has called you to do in a place where you cannot support yourselves. Um, I have a little bit of different, uh, unique view on this and the fact that, that my family spent two years in London, England as missionaries. And I, I tell you what, one of the worst things you can go through life is a thing called deputation. Uh, to have to travel from church to church and put on your best face every time. And, and you, I mean, consider that my dad had me as a son, all right? Uh, it's a miracle he got any support at all. But to have to go from place to place, and, and we see that it's a biblical principle that, that churches support. Uh, Paul talks about they gave to help with the need. They gave, they, they did these things, and then... At the end of uh, Acts chapter 14, Paul goes back and reports to his church. And so that's a, 
a biblical principle in the fact that missionaries will come home and they'll report to the church. They send us letters. We require them to send us letters. Uh, you know, we, we want to know what's going on in their life and in their ministry for prayer, but then also to make sure that the monies that we give are being used to the best of what God wants them to be used for. And it's very, very, I think, uh, uh, it's a very heavy responsibility to take God's money and to use it for what He would want it to be used for. And so in, the, in the, the mode of how we do missions, it's faith promise. We pray. God tells us what to give. You say, well, God's never told me, told me to give anything. You might want to make another phone call. <laughs> Perhaps make sure you got the right number. Because I doubt that there is a, a person present that God would not speak to their heart if you're saved. And if you love God that God wouldn't speak to your heart to give something in the matter of missions. From the youngest child in here to the oldest adult, from the pulpit to the sound booth, we can all do something for missions. Why? Because it makes a difference. And that is what God has called us to do. And so I know from firsthand perspective what it takes to be a missionary. We spent, like I said, two years in London. We, we had to move from a place that was comfortable to a place that uh, it, they're British. I mean, we've had to beat them and then bail them out. How many times now? And so we, we had to go there. Now, God had to do a work in my heart because I, I, I was not happy about this. I was a teenager at the time, young teen, uh, 14 years old, I think, 15 years old. And I was the star of my Christian school basketball team um, because it's a Christian school basketball team. So <laughs> you don't have to do much to be the star. And um, God moved us to this place. But God provided. We, we, we sold a lot of stuff. We had to take, uh, take all our, our possessions with us. Uh, then we had to go there. We had to learn about new culture, new food, a place where they really don't like Yankees? That's what they called me. I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> so already, you know, I talked about forgiveness this morning. It, you have to literally turn your whole world upside down to be a missionary. To do what God has called you. You better be called a God to be in missions. And yet these people, they take their lives, they turn them upside down, counting on us to do for them what they cannot do for themselves. You can't get a job. You can't work overtime. You, you, you can't, uh, most places you can't go and, and even get government assistance. They don't want you there. So they're not going to help you stay there. I mean, it takes dedication and sacrifice to be in missions. So when we look at their sacrifice, what are we willing to sacrifice? You say, oh, y'all are always talking about taking money. It's not just money. You talk to any missionary, they, they'll take your money. 
but what they covet is your prayers. And, and I was talking to uh, Brother Lawson the other day. You remember Brother Brian Lawson was just here, enjoyed, enjoyed his message and what God has done. But they, they have a container. They're getting ready to go back for another uh, tour uh, uh, in, in uh, the Amazon region of Brazil. And so he, they have a container, and they've, they've gotten as many, I mean, as literally as many Portuguese Bibles as they could find to take, to distribute to the people there in uh, the city they're going to go to. I, I think he, uh, he, he has about 10,000 Bibles that were given to him. And the, he asked some of the pastors in the area to come over and pray over that container because it has to go through the port of Manaus, which is controlled by the mafia. And so they could decide to keep those Bibles and sell them themselves because it would be profitable for them. Uh, they could decide to just let that container sit there however long they want to. Once it leaves the Detroit port, Brother Lawson has no more control over what happens to it. And it's got their clothing. It's got their appliances. His wife put a Christmas tree in there by faith <laughs> that they're going to be able to put that up by Christmas. Now you think about that. I'll go out to the shed and get my Christmas tree out when my wife makes me. And we'll put it up. But they're, they're at the, the mercy of these people. And, and Brother Lawson, the, the story that he told us about this container, he and Brother Staub, one day they decided to go down to the ports there in Detroit to look for a container that they could use uh, for him to take his things to... Uh, to Brazil. So they went down there. They went into this one company. Now, they knew nothing about what they would have to do. They went down. They went to a shipping company. They walked in, and Brother Staub was telling us, he said, they just had desks of people, and they were all on the phone. And about the time you would start to talk to somebody, the phone would ring, and they'd interrupt you, and they'd answer the phone. And finally, they said, listen, we cannot deal with you. We are too busy. Uh, there's no way we can help you. You need one container. It's not a big enough deal. You're going to need to move on. They said, but what we'll do is we'll give you the name of one of our major competitors to send you to them so that you can go talk to them. Maybe they can help you. We just want you out of our hair. So they took that name. They went over to this competitor. The guy said, well, let me see what I can do. Brother Brian was thinking about getting a container that was, they, they can only make so many trips across the ocean before they're deemed unseaworthy, and then they have to sell them. A lot of people here buy them and, and put them up north for hunting cabins, things like that. So Brother Lawson was thinking, if I can get one that this is its last leg, I can get it. It'll be cheap. I'll be able to get my stuff over there. Hopefully it won't get too wet, and, and we'll be able to get our stuff to the Amazon. A few days later, this man emails him. And he says, Brother Lawson... I just want you to know, I'm a Christian. Everything that I have, God has given me. And I just can't see selling you something that God has given me. He goes, I've purchased 
a brand new container. It's never been on the ship. It's fresh. You open it, it's got that new container smell. <laughs> he said, I'm going to put it on a chassis. I'll park it where you need it to be parked. You get a reduced rate on the chassis. He said, when you're ready, I'll come get it. I'll get it. I'll help you ship it. I'll do everything I can to get it to Brazil on behalf of you because of what God yeah. has done for me. It was as a dream came true. Psalms 126. Turn to captivity. It was as a dream, they said, when God does what God does. So they got this gift of a container. He goes, and then people just started giving us stuff. All kinds of stuff. He goes, not much new stuff. I said, we are Baptists. Dish or uh, stove. Uh, they spent their entire first four years in Brazil. They didn't even decorate their house. They had nothing to decorate it with. Now, as a guy, I'm good. No trying to level things or make them straight or make them, you know. But as a wife, think about that. The sacrifice that they had to give to go to share the gospel. So he called us over there and he said, I just, I just want you all to, to lay your hands on this container. And their neighbors probably thought, they are never going to hold that container up. Rather <laughs> a hand on it like, it's going to fall on them. He said, I want you to pray that God will get this container through. It's got to go from Detroit. It's got to get out of Detroit to Manaus in Brazil, enter a mafia-owned port, be cleared, allowed to leave, go be put on another chassis, or I'm sorry, be put on a riverboat, go up the Amazon, backwards of what the current flows, be unloaded at another port, be put on a chassis, and then be driven, as Brother Staub called him, uh, on some dirt trail six hours through the Amazon forest to where he's going to be. He said, and you see them wrecked all the time on the side of the road. He said, I just want y'all to pray that we get our stuff. It's hard for me to think that God would put them in a place where a man would give them what they need, fill it full of Bibles for him, and then not get it to where it's going to go for him to do what God's called him to do. But pray about that if you would. For Brother Lawson, for his family, it's leaving this week, headed out to the Amazon region of Brazil. But it brings me to Acts chapter 13, just real quick, actually 14, or 13 verse 47. This is uh, Paul saying here, I said all that to say this, it said, uh, in verse 47, it says, For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, now pay attention to this phrase, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. For salvation 
We're either for salvation. What goes against for salvation? Against something. God said you're either for me or you're against me. And here he's telling Paul, I have sent you that you would be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. The reason it is so necessary to support a missions program is it makes a difference to the people here, but it makes a difference to God. Because He sees whose side we're on when we support missions. You say, you're being a little dramatic with that. He said you're for salvation when you go to the ends of the earth. He said, that's why I'm sending you. Why does God give us what He gives us? That 7%, Brother Tom, of spendable income, so to speak, after we pay for housing. Dave Ramsey has a whole list of needs and wants. Housing, you need, a house, you need some place to live. Electricity, although you go back 100 years, they might debate you on that. You go down to Shipshawana, they might debate you on that. Who showed me a picture the other day of an Amish guy on one of those race car games at an arcade? Was it somebody here? It was funny, though. I'm like, that makes you laugh. And his wife's standing there. She was disapproving. <laughs> In a very quiet demeaning, or demeanor, you know, she was disapproving. She did not look happy, but he was, he was collecting points. But we have needs, and we pay for those needs. God gives us disposable income. It's like disposable diapers. You use it and it's gone. You don't want to, you don't get it as a second chance. What are we going to do with that? When it comes to the cause of Christ. As the girl, as the girls, the girls, I sound like a preacher now. As the young ladies saying, what will we sacrifice? And, and I know there are some that do not tithe that are saved, that are members of this church, and not to be mean, not to be harsh, but not to be, you know, Osteen about it. That's shameful. That's kind of a welfare mentality of Christians, that we could bum a ride off of my church instead of doing what I'm supposed to do. It's the same thing with missions that we would expect other people to do what God has called us to do, but not do it ourselves. And so he is telling Paul here. Now, look with me in, in verse uh, number 1 of chapter 13, and we're going to look at a few things uh, here. But to make a difference, we must support missions. Why? Well, because God just happens here in verse number 1. He says, now there were in the church... So we find here a place that people are congregated in the meeting. There is a church at Antioch. And you remember about Antioch? It was where they were first called Christians. And so here you have some serious believers who are following Christ. 
And it says, There were at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. So they're here at the church. A local New Testament church. It says, as they ministered. They're not just there, they're doing something. You know, God never calls somebody to missions that's not willing to do something at their local church. I'll be honest with you, if you want to avoid being called to be a missionary, just stay out of church. You have a miserable life, but you won't have to worry about God calling you to some far off place. Sending you somewhere that you don't want to go. These men were in the church ministering. It says, as they ministered to the Lord, so they were there for the right reasons. We can come to church for all kinds of reasons. Some people come because it's a social atmosphere. I can meet people. I can, uh, I can uh, uh, you know, have friends. I can do this. They're, they're good, clean friends. They'll not lead me in the wrong way. Uh, but it, it's totally social. We have a lot of churches today that have made the turn from being a place of spiritual things to a place of just social activity. And, and I'll be honest, I've, I've read multiple books on, on this movement uh, that they have where it's, and that's one of the first precursors to a church that will eventually die. But even people that are members of social clubs pay their dues. I mean, if you're going to go to a gym, they ain't going to let you in unless you pay. But a lot of people look at the church as being a social place when really the church is to be all about the spiritual the spiritual needs of others, the spiritual influence that we can have, the, the, to, to be able to feel the Spirit move. They were here ministering to the Lord. It makes a difference when we show up to church to minister to ourselves or to minister to God. It makes a difference when we show up to church as to how our spirit is and whether it's going to affect negatively the service that's about to follow. You know, I make a difference on how the service goes. You make a difference on how this church service goes. We either kind of give the Spirit a giddy-up, or we grieve the Spirit. And so we see these men here in verse number 1. They, uh, and, and I'm going to bring this right around to, to where we were in verse number 47. It says, they were here at the church. They were ministering to God. And, and the Holy Ghost said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. Work. Being a missionary is work. Why do we need to support missions? Because it's work. And the Bible says the, work, the workman is worthy of his hire. And the, the little that we put towards each missionary, we have 80-some-odd missionaries, and we support them at starting at $75 a month. Now, think what you would do for $75 a month. That might be a Starbucks every day for a week. <laughs> Maybe. But think about that. So they come to our church, and they get 75 And then after they've served... Uh, 10 years faithfully on the mission field, they get moved up to 100. And that is a goodly sum to be supported from a church. There are some churches that start at $10 a month or $25 a month. 
You think, think about that. If you're having to raise the amount of money that you spend monthly on your bills and, and your health care and, and your food and your family, how many churches you would have to go to to raise that support? Why is it so important that we give? So that we can help them get to the field. Because what did, what did God say to Paul? He said, I'm going to send you for salvation to the ends of the earth. Now, I, I, I tell you what, we went on that mission trip to the Philippines. I think just by every mission trip I've been on, I've said, God, is this the place that you want me to come to? Puerto Rico, Costa Rica, I'd, anywhere warm. <laughs> but God hasn't called me there. You know where my end of the earth is? Here. And your end of the earth is here. Your Jerusalem is here. He says, I've called you for salvation to the place where God has put you. But here we find that, that Paul, uh, Saul, and Barnabas, God has said, hey, separate them for the work that I've called them to do. Do you know there's not a Christian here today or ever that does not have the call of God upon their life to be a missionary where they're at. So God's never called me. False. False. As soon as He saved you, He called you. As soon as He saved me, He gave me the same commandment that He gave Saul to go and spread the gospel. Now it's my choice as to whether I would do that. So we see that here he is separating them out and, and, and he is calling them to be a missionary. And so why do we need to support missions is because there are people who are willing to do the work to go to the field on our behalf for the cause of Christ, for the cause of salvation. A missionary is one who crosses the boundaries to take the gospel to those not yet reached. And yet those boundaries are not geographical lines. Those are spiritual boundaries. They have not been reached spiritually. It might be the, uh, the, the country of Kenya, but it might be the street of Hathaway, where there is a spiritual boundary that I must cross to reach somebody for the gospel. I remember the Tenskys that used to live over here, uh, just across the street, Larry and Betty. And Larry was witnessed to and witnessed to and witnessed to and sat in our, in our tent meeting, would not respond. But Betty was witnessed to and witnessed to and sat in our tent meeting and came forward and got saved. We have a choice to go. They have a choice to receive. Now the Bible tells us, as we saw there in Psalms chapter 126, that those that go forth bearing precious seed will doubtless come again, uh, bringing their sheaves with them, rejoicing. God has not tasked us to do more than to sow the seed. Amen. That's our task. 
Paul said it uh, over, and I think Corinthians said, I have planted Apollos water, but God giveth the increase. Why is it so important to support missions? Why does missions make such a difference? Because whether here or abroad, God's going to give a harvest. He said, lift your eyes. Behold, the fields are white unto harvest. He said, there are people who are waiting for us to be for salvation to the place that they live on this earth. One planet earth, as Brother Tom was, was giving me these statistics this morning, he said, out of, by the time you sleep and do all these other things that are necessary, you have nine years of what I guess we would call disposable time. Time is not disposable. The Bible tells us redeem, redeeming the time. Redeeming because the days are evil. We're to take what God has given us that is so precious and redeem it to take it and use it for that which is profitable. Nine years. Nine years to do what God has called us to do. Now I just turned 41. And uh, I'm still young, extremely young. And, uh, you know, but I, it makes you wonder. You remember a uh, preacher had that, he preached that message on how much uh, the, the, the tail of the tape, and he had that tape measure up here, and he measured out a, a full life. And then as you went along, and pretty soon he got down to there's only this much tape measure left. And we never know. We don't know when our time will come. We can prepare, ask Christ to save us do what God wants us to do, know that we'll stand one day before God and, and He'll say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But we've lived a lot of our life. How many years do we have left to serve God? See, Paul here and Barnabas, they, uh, they are ministering. They're serving God already. God separates them. He sends them and they begin to plant Churches. Why is it so important that we support, that we, we follow up and we, we give the missions so that it'll make a difference, but not just in people getting saved, but in churches will be planted. That is the heartbeat of Brother Lawson when he goes back to the Amazon. He is going there to plant a church where people can come. And then, uh, you know, it was, it was so neat to see. Um, I'm trying to keep the missions trip straight now. Uh, but I believe it was, it was either Costa Rica or the Philippines where we had the opportunity, I think it was the Philippines, we had the opportunity to go see our missionary and then go see a missionary out of their church. That, that's, what, that's what we're supposed to do. He, we, we supported Brother Woodley and Miss Carol as they are there and they are seeing people saved and they're working with the deaf in that community and and then they have people now going out of their ministry, starting other works. Why? Because we supported a missionary who started a work for salvation, started a church, and is now reproducing from that church. Can I tell you, that makes God happy. He sees that. And I think He smiles. And if you've given to missions and it was taken and sent out, all the missionary money that comes to this church goes into this church and right back out to our missionaries. If you designate it to go to somebody, we take it, we put it in, 
Miss Kathy writes a check on Monday, and there it goes. Nothing sticks, you know what I'm saying? But if you've ever taken the opportunity to give faithfully to missions through this local New Testament church, we have used it for what God has wanted us to use it for and to see other churches started. For salvation. For the cause of Christ. Guess who one day will get to come in with their sheaves, weeping and rejoicing? Those that have given to that missions project. We have fruit that we don't even know of. You understand that? There will be people that have been saved in uh, the Philippines, in Germany, in Liechtenstein, in Puerto Rico, in Costa Rica, and uh, I'm, I'm trying to think, we have 80-some-odd missionaries. There will be deaf uh, folks that, that will be able to come up and tell us with their voices, thank you for giving to Brother Fred Adams and the Deaf College and supporting them because I was saved through their ministry. There will be people from uh, Ireland and, and the UK and, and all these uh, Australia, Papua New Guinea, that we will never know, that we will never see, but our mission's money has touched them and made a difference. And it will make a difference in their life for eternity. But do you understand it will make a difference in our life for eternity? When we stand before God and God says, let me, let, me, let me see what you did for me there while you were living your life in Livonia or Westland or Garden City or, or Belleville or Sumter or uh, Bloomfield Hills or uh, wherever, wherever else you live. And we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an answer. For every word. You know, we, we think about the words, the actions that we do, that, that this is what God is going to judge us for. I, I just wonder sometimes, I have a vivid imagination. Is God going to pull out a copy of our checkbook register, if you even have a checkbook register? Bank statement, credit card statement, PayPal account, whatever. And go down and say, yep, you spent that on that, you spent that on that. Oh, that's a very nice thing. Okay, yep, that's, that's very nice. Oh, that's a nice boat. Oh, that's a nice dress. Oh, that's a nice, that's a nice. I don't see a check or a, a debit to my work. Do, do you have another account? It's your IRA. Okay, no, that's not it. Oh, it's your 401. No, that's not it. Okay. Did you give? Say, so, well, I went to church. Good job. I, I showed up and, and, and I did this or I did that. But did you give? And not just give. Did you sacrifice? I think God is looking for us to do what we can't afford so that he can pay for it. I, honestly, I think a lot of times we put God on a budget when He lives owning the cattle on a thousand hills and doesn't need a budget because He can write a check for whatever He wants. So when we sit down this month,
and consider our missions. And I doubt that if I were to say, raise your hands, who wants to see our missions make a difference? We'd all raise our hand. Because I think we all do. I, I truly believe we all want to make a difference. And we all want our missions money to make a difference. But will we put sacrifice to that? To say, God, I'm going to give just a little more than I can afford in my thinking. Knowing that you've placed... Now, don't do it just to do it. Make sure it's God telling you to do it. But if God tells you, I want you to do this, do it. Because I've seen people who, by way of testimony, have told me, hey, I gave an extra $5 to God in missions, and would you believe that God gave me a $10 a week raise after taxes? I've seen, I, I've seen children who have said, you know, God wants me to give 50 cents a, a week to missions. You say, 50 cents, what will that do? The widow had two mites. And that pleased God more than the bags of everything else that the rulers had. The point is, they put down 50 cents, they ain't got a job. My kids work for free. They get food and housing. Money? No, food. But I've seen children put down 50 cents a week. Would you know that God gives them 50 cents? Why? Because He can. Their 50 cents is your $50. Their 50 cents is my 50 cents. <laughs> but if we're going to make a difference, we're going to have to make a difference. So are we going to make a difference today? Are we going to step out by faith, knowing that God has turned... Go back to Psalm 126 and you'll see He turned their captivity. They praised God. The heathen saw what they were doing. They said... God has done great things for them. And then they said, yeah, God has done great things for us. Then what did they do? They had seed that was precious that they brought back in, full of produce for the glory of God. If you're a Christian today, God has turned your captivity. If you're a Christian today, you ought to praise God for that. If you're a Christian today, the heathen, those that are lost, should be able to see that and know what God has done for you. We should recognize it ourselves and understand that what we do now with our life is going to dictate whether we make a difference for the cause of Christ, for salvation to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Oh, we thank you for the clarity of your word, Lord. You didn't, there, there's no bones made about it, dear God. We are to make a difference for the cause of Christ and for salvation in the lives of others. And Lord, one simple way that we can do that is by being a participate, uh, participating in the giving to missions. 
to see souls saved both here and abroad. And God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts over these next few days as we pray about this matter of what you would have us to do for our missions giving, to make a difference in someone's life. And give us clarity, dear God. Lead us, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand if you would take a hymnal, Brother Tom. 636. Number 636. Number 636. Let's stand and we'll sing a couple of verses of invitation. The altars are open. Maybe you're sitting here today and you say, you know, Pastor, I, you talked a lot about people getting saved, but I don't know what that means. Come, and we'll show you today what it means to be a Christian, what it means to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. We would not want you to walk. That would undo everything that we are for missions if somebody left this service lost. As we sing, the altar's open. Brother Tom.